Welcome to the Living Word, the radio broadcast ministry of Living Word Church. Now, we've been for about three months now uh, talking about Christianity, what true Christianity really ought to be. In comparison to what is being uh, portrayed as Christianity today, which rather than draw people to Christ, is actually putting a lot of people off Christ. And in fact, um, it's not just the people outside, which is a shame, but even people, I've met many people who said they once were Christians and are no longer Christians. Uh, some people who have said they've left the uh, proper Bible teaching churches, well, supposed to have been proper Bible teaching churches, and gone and joined the Catholics. Now, anyone who understands and knows scripture knows that the operation of the Catholics is outside of the Holy Bible. They are a totally different ballgame. They are really, they are not Christians. And then I've met one or two who have gone and signed up to the Mormons or the Jehovah's false witnesses. <laughs> so we have a lot of issues like this. And this is because of what people, personal experiences that people have gone through with their churches. Now, this shouldn't be so. For a start, I mean, I tend to make people uh, say one thing to people when they tell me that, when people blame their pastor and the setup of the church to the reason they have left. I generally always first of all, say that, listen, when you are part of the church, you do not look for perfect people or the perfect pastor, you know, because none of us is and none of us will be made perfect in this present world. But clearly, there, um, according to scripture, there are areas where those of us who lead or who purport to lead must be beyond reproach. And so we're in a situation where... Uh, Pastors or overseers of whatever the titles nowadays that people fancy and they adorn themselves with, when leaders are being um, charged with criminal activities and uh, immorality of such heights that you can't even find among the heaven, then clearly there is a problem. I would never ask anyone to stay in such a church because that church is not of Christ. Because Christ's own servants, when we go back to scripture and look at it, all of the servants of God right from the Old Testament all the way through to the New, were people who were beyond reproach in that kind of way. None of them was faulted for doing anything immoral or illegal. These people's lives were purely devoted to God. They actually sacrificed their own well-being, their own personal interests. They gave up their very lives for the life of God in Christ Jesus. And the requirement is still the same for those people today, the servants who have received the effectual calling of, of, uh, of God. Now, everybody claims they've been called nowadays, but Jesus said, by their fruit you shall know them. And the fruit that you should expect of, of the servants of Christ are clearly depicted in the, in, in the scriptures. So, quite honestly, we have no excuse. You know, they are... Uh, Jesus said, many are called with few chosen. Yes, everyone is called to come to Christ and love Christ and serve Christ and believe in Christ. But very few are chosen to that position of leadership. That I go to a Bible school and get a degree, as with any other uh, profession in the world, does not translate to a spiritual calling from God. I get a degree in theology. That does not automatically make me a servant of God. It does not make me called by God. I may choose to serve God, yes. But you know what? The truly effectual calling is not a volunteer's position. You cannot volunteer for it. Simply because the special grace that God gives to those servants 
And once they receive that calling, they do not look back. They hit the ground running. They do not look back. They just do not operate any longer as part of this world. The affairs and issues of the world do not concern them. Now they live for Christ only, and these people are ready to die for the gospel. They are ready to die for the name of Christ. They don't care what people are owning or having or obtaining. They don't care about worldly ambition and attaining worldly status or standards. They don't care about those things. They don't care whether people love them or not. They don't care whether people like their message or not. They just don't care. They are focused on Christ and that's it. They know they are in a relationship with God, which is the only reason they exist in this world at all. Now, such people do not consider that they're in this world to have a good career, to have a good profession, to have a good vast, extra successful business. They don't believe they're here to have a family or they're here to be married and they've got to have it all. They're here to enjoy good health. If all these things, if it is pleasing to God to bless them with such things, fine. If God doesn't, fine. They're indifferent to it. They are indifferent to it. But whatever God entrusts them with, they take care of it as though it were God's because they know everything belongs to God. Be it their marriage or their children or whatever business they may have or their careers, whatever it is. They, they, they treat these things well as though it were God. So these people do not clutch onto their money and just worry about amassing more. They do not amass wealth. They don't do it. Servants of God don't. Whatever God puts in their hand, they use for the purposes of God's work. They, 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 they share, just like the first century Christians in, the, uh, in, I think, the fourth chapter of Acts of the Apostles, where the Bible said that all the believers came together and they all put together everything that they had, all the resources, so that no one amongst them had any need. I mean, that does not depict the picture of the church today, does it? Now we have the pastors who are asking for more. They are amassing everything. They are collecting everything from the flock while the flock is growing thinner and the flock is staying poor. But they keep telling them, it's okay. Your miracle is coming through. Your breakthrough will be, is imminent. But the pastors getting richer by the day. Those are not servants of God because they do not in any way relate to the picture of the servants I have painted to you. And I've not painted the picture. I've just picked them out of picked all the descriptions out of the Bible. So, what we now have is uh, people who are not attracted to the church. The general belief out there is that the church is the biggest, biggest business venture of today. Which, when people say that, I really don't have too much of a defense because it is true. They are speaking what they see. They're speaking what I see. This is what I also say. Sadly, I say it too because I see it all the time. You know, ministers are just there to make money and make money and make money. And so you have in six, they have six different services, every, what, six different services a week or seven, as a matter of fact, every day anyway, there's one reason or the other for people to be in church because the more you people attend, the more they get money in because they've gone and, I don't know, maybe hired or bought for themselves this great big building that they can ill afford. And so all this money has to come in, money's got to come in. So people, there's one reason or the other to draw people into the church. So, so much so that family life is suffering. Time that people should spend after going to their labors, should spend at home with their children and their spouses, doing other things, attending to other issues of, of, of their well-being, 
They're there in church, straight from work, back to church. The children are the minders. Some will go home, drag the children straight after school. The kids don't rest. They haven't had any chance to rest and you know finish their homework or whatever. They drag them off to church. Their service is Tuesday. It was the something service, something anointing service. Same thing on a Wednesday. It was something anointing service. By the time husband and wife get around the children, everyone's absolutely knackered. Nothing can happen. It is killing family life. There is no need for all this gathering. Quite honestly, there isn't. We come together on the day of the Lord. That's the first day of the week. We worship. Okay, maybe we can have Bible study one other time for another hour or so sometime in the week just to facilitate the teaching of the word. But I don't see any need for the seven-day attendance in church. It's ridiculous when the people then take care of other aspects of life. But the reason these people are wanting you to be there all the time is because, like I said, it is important that the revenue does not stop rolling in. Because the pastor, anyway, he doesn't do anything else for himself. All he does is sit there waiting for you all to come for deliverance prayers and come for prayers uh, for your breakthroughs and come for miracle services. I don't know why. Because what it is, is just teaching people to be dependent on the pastors. And that is not what God's servants are called to do. We are called to preach the word of God, teach people to obey the Lord. That way the people are dependent on Christ alone. So much so that each person from Monday to Saturday can spend their time living their lives normally, but being mindful of the presence of the Lord, walking with the Lord. People are in a good and solid relationship with the Lord. So in your own home, you gather your family together. You have your devotions during the week. You pray together. You sing together. You even learn the word of God together and all that. And then you come on the day of the Lord and fellowship with the other saints. That way, when everyone has problems, they take it to the Lord in prayer. Because we are being taught the real word of God, which says that the, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are always attentive to their cries. So you don't need a mediator, which is a fellow human being called your pastor or your overseer or daddy or mommy or whatever ridiculous thing you call them. You don't need them. They are not intercessors. We are not intercessors. I'm a servant of God. From the age of 14, the Lord sealed me with the Holy Spirit. I was being raised in a Muslim home at the time. We was a Muslim home. We didn't exactly practice Islam. We didn't practice anything. We were just a family there, you know. We um, were supposed to be Muslims because my father claimed he was, because his family was. And as such, we observed all the Muslim festivals and things, but we didn't exactly. We weren't ardent followers of uh, Islam, and we'd only ever been to church. I remember at that time, I think I'd only ever been to church for two weddings. I had no clue who Jesus was or what was doing it, what was happening in church. But we had this incident on the 1st of January 1981, whereby the Holy Spirit came upon us. We were having a family prayer into the new year. I don't know who we were praying to, really. But uh, we used to gather together anyway and pray to God somewhat. And, um, and the Holy Spirit fell on four of us. And from then on, the Lord marked me out for his purpose. Now, after that, my parents didn't understand what happened. They went and sent for some... A Christian prophet the following morning saying this is what happened these people were just proclaiming Jesus Christ and they were asking for Bibles and preaching and things like that and he said well the four of them should start go make sure they start going to a church they are very, they're instruments of God but my parents did nothing about it it was only after then I fell into the world and went doing my own thing for another 14 years until until the Lord lay, laid hold of me 14 years later and began to use me the way he has until this day. 
and this has been another 14 years. So you see, God knows what he's doing and he knows how he treats his own servants. Now, when you have that, when you do have that effectual calling, the purpose is not to bring people dependent on you. I don't see members of the church I lead in the week because everyone's got their own business to go about. Occasionally, you may have something to talk about to, to talk about on the phone to discuss. Maybe they want advice on something, or maybe with something um, we've been talking about and they've had a result about something. But generally, we you know we only really meet on the day of the Lord. Because everyone is so Christ-dependent and so independent of me, such that I am able to go out and work full-time as well. I don't sit there waiting for their tithes and offerings and seeds. I also work. So when we come together, we all put together what we have for the furtherance of the, of the work of God. They are build, being built up in Christ. They are being built up in Christ to know Christ, to become mature Christians not babies who I will continue to have to spoon feed all the time. I don't have time to be spoon feeding and, you know, bottle feeding with milk many people who are supposed to be Christians. So we're not supposed to keep people dependent. We're supposed to raise people up so that they can grow. This is exactly what God says in Ephesians chapter 4. He says it very clearly uh, from verse 11. It says, talking about Christ and his calling of his servants, the Bible says it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That is what we're called to do. Not keep having babes in arms that call us mommy and call us daddy. And we strut about as though we are the only ones who have connection to God. We are the only ones whose voice Jesus listens to. So until I pray for you, nothing's going to happen. Until I lay my hands on you. I never lay my hands on anyone. I don't do it because I don't... I, I speak the word of God to people. I preach the word. They believe it. God manifests himself in their lives. They believe the word I teach, so they too form their relationship with the Lord. I don't need to be slapping people around and knocking them down, saying I'm slaying them in the spirit. I've never ever misled in the spirit myself, so I don't know what that nonsense is all about. But this is the trouble. People are happy to be dependent on their leaders. They're happy to take whatever the, 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 the leader says, hook, line, and sinker, be it truth or fact. And that is why many leaders have found room for their lies that they trade all over the place. And through these lies and deception, they are getting really rich. And I mean really rich. Now look at this. Continuing in the Ephesians 4 that I was reading from verse 13 there. He says that when the people now are mature Christians, when they have attained to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by cunning and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. And this is exactly where many people find themselves. 
because they have refused to grow as Christians, because they have been happy to be dependent on the pastor to pray for them and to anoint them and to come and bless their home and to come and consecrate everything and to they rely on the word of the past, pastor before they can do a thing. Some people will not do, cannot lift a finger until the, the pastor has said yes or the pastor has, they will not go until the pastor says go. So they stay as infants, of course. And whilst they stay as infants, they do not know a thing. They are not growing. So they are tossed back and forth by all kinds of waves of teaching. By the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. And so at some stage, maybe by some, by some stroke of luck maybe, much as I don't believe in luck, by some stroke of luck maybe their eyes are open and they're, or maybe out of frustration of all the seed they've been asked to sow and all the payments they've had to make to the pastor for certain uh, financial blessings or some miracles to occur, these things don't occur, so they get frustrated and they break faith. And maybe eventually the pastor is exposed for the fraud that he is, you know, maybe through another misadventure of his, through maybe something else he'd done somewhere else, is exposed anyway. And then... Um, they decide to leave the church and they go and choose another faith or another religion or go to the Catholic church where they're not asked to tithe and bring offerings or sow seeds. So you see, many of these people who call themselves leaders will be held accountable for the blood of many, several, several millions of people. They'll be held accountable because they're not going to get away with it. Now, this is where I'm talking about today. Because the last time we spoke about this topic of Christianity, we talk, I've been talking about. <coughs> pardon me. I've been talking about contradictory doctrines for a while. And the last time I spoke, I said I was going to speak about the kingdom of heaven. <coughs> now, the, there's a general misconception amongst people and even Christians today about what the kingdom of heaven is about. Because uh, people tend to have been taught and have the belief that the kingdom of heaven is a place you get to after you die from this world. And so you have unbelievers, when you talk to them about Christ, they tell you, uh, well, I don't, I'm not a Christian, and so I don't go to church or anything like that. I don't believe in Jesus and all that. However, I don't see why I wouldn't go to heaven when I die. Because I've been very good. I've never hurt a fly in my life. I live a very good life. I'm very kind to people. I give generously. Okay. Now, I mean, I had a, I had a house guest recently who actually did ask me, because they went to church with us, and asked me if, um, they said they'd known a person, an auntie, who died uh, in the 80s. And she said at, at her funeral, People were given lots of lovely testimonies about her, things, nice and good things this woman had done that even the family were not aware of. However, she didn't know her as a Christian per se. And she said, um, in view of all that, don't you think that the testimony of the people would influence God's uh, decision in heaven to have let her so that she is now with God in paradise? And I had to say, you know, that, well, um, unfortunately, I mean, as much as this might disappoint you, unfortunately, good works, our good works and good testimony from people is not enough to get anyone into God's paradise. It is not enough to get anyone 
into God's presence at their death. Unless, I said, because Jesus made it very clear that unless a person is born again, they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, this still comes down to what I'm saying, that people have a misconception of what the kingdom of heaven is all about. And this is because of what they're being taught. I mean, one of the most prominent um, general, general overseers in Nigeria, I read an article that he, uh, of an interview he had with an American reporter sometime I think it was early this year or late last year, and this he'd gone he'd just gone to visit uh, some of his uh, the branches of his churches in um, of his church in um, in the U.S. I hate referring to any church as anybody's church. There's only one church, and it belongs to Christ Jesus. We are just leaders of churches. That's all. Anyway, he uh, he'd been, and this reporter interviewed him, asking him about how he'd been. You know, he was such a successful pastor, and you know, he had. Um, you know, obviously he'd had a very successful convention or whatever it was. He went there for and all those things. You know, what did he credit to, you know, his success to? Now, for a start, none of us can claim success because we look at the number of people who come and worship in the church or fellowship in our church um, gathering, you know. <laughs> we cannot claim the success or failure of it because for a start, you know, we don't really know who is truly converted unto Christ. Sometimes we can tell, but that you have hordes and millions and millions following you does not mean that they are all born again, does it? Now, unless their lives are bearing fruit for Christ, then they're useless. They are not converted. They are not reborn. So it's a waste of time. We do not go by numbers. Only the Lord knows who I is. Paul, the apostle, made that clear. He said, the Lord knows those who are his. Anyway, this pastor then saying, he said, oh yeah. Uh, they said, how come, you know, how have you managed to do this? You know, have got such a great followership. He said, yes, yes. The thing is, um, I deal with people um, and the issues of today. You know, that's why people keep coming, because I know we need heaven. He said, although we need heaven, there are things we need God to do for us for the here and now. Now, I deal with the here and now, and this is why the people come, because they need uh, the problems here and now dealt with. I was so disgusted. I was so disappointed. He said, although we, although we need heaven, but there's no but. There can be no but. Heaven is the priority. That's what our Lord Jesus Christ said. Jesus Christ, the Lord of life, the only one through whom we will get to heaven, the only one without whom we cannot get to heaven, the only one through whom we receive salvation, otherwise we are dead, the only one who came from heaven, who was God in the flesh and still is God the Son, the only Savior of all mankind, the only one who had the fullness of God Almighty, God the Father, in thought, word, and deed. Now, he said to us, Seek you first his kingdom. And his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. He said therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now this is insane. In handling the question about the here and now. Which this great big overseer. 
was talking about. The issues of the here and now, yes, what we will eat today, what we will drink, what we will wear, where we shall sleep, all these things. How we can get healed, how we shall deal with this sickness and this disease, these are problems of the here and now. Now, if our Lord Jesus Christ himself, in whose name this ridiculous man was preaching and gathering a flock to himself, he's bought himself a jet recently, by the way, but if Jesus Christ, in whose name this person's preaching the nonsense that he is preaching, has said that the kingdom of God, of God must be our priority, who is any man? I don't care how many billions or millions of people follow them. Who is? I don't care how many branches of their business called church that they have set up. Who is any man to change the word of Christ? Now, sadly, this is what he's teaching all those millions of followers or hundreds of thousands. I don't know. They've probably got millions by now because really he's, uh, he's growing fast. I mean, on one street in London, you can find four branches of that very same church. Ridiculous, isn't it? All of them not interacting with each other, of course. They're all in a rivalry thing. Shocking and disgusting. Really disgraceful. This is what is putting people who are not Christians of Christianity. They're not interested. They see the nonsense that's going on. They don't want to come in and get mixed up in all that madness. Every time they switch to Christian television, it's people after their money, after their credit cards, after their wallets. They don't want to come to that and think that's going to save their lives. That isn't going to solve all their problems. Promises and promises and promises. Everybody appearing on Christian television, hawking their own trade, promoting their own business. That's all it is. Well, for most people, there's some fantastic, beautiful, godly teachers on Christian television as well. But I must say, they are the minority. So you see, nobody can change the word of God. So Jesus says one thing, and the people obey another thing. Because they are being taught another thing. But they like the other thing because the other thing sounds more comfortable and a lot more convenient. So the people like that. I mean, Jesus said in Luke chapter 12 from verse 13 to 15, where some guy, some guy came to him during his, uh, while, one of his teaching sessions and said, Teacher, tell my brother to share, the, to share the inheritance with me. And Jesus said, Man, who has appointed me a judge or arbiter amongst you? And then he said to all the crowd sitting there, he said, guard your lives against all kinds of greed, for a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his, of his, in the abundance of his possessions. What is being taught on the pulpits today? Go for more. It is, poverty is a curse. God has ordained for you to be children of the kingdom, and as such, because you belong to that kingdom that is full of wealth, the Bible says the riches of Christ in glory are yours, so name it and claim it. Possess your possessions. You're supposed to have an abundance. You should not have financial worries. You should have an abundance of houses. You should not be a tenant. You're supposed to build your own mansion. You should not be working for people. You're supposed to be the leader of your own, the chairman of your own conglomerate and all this nonsense. Go for more. You're supposed to wear the best clothes. You're supposed to have the best jewelry. You're supposed to drive the best cars because you are children of Christ. Really? Really? But you know what? People love it. People love these ridiculous messages, even though it is in direct con contrast to the teachings of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in Matthew, uh, in James chapter 4, from verse 13 to 17 there, about boasting about tomorrow. 
I should go here and uh, to this year or next year we should go to this place, make a lot of stay there for a year, make a lot of money and do this and do that. Bible says you're a fool. What do you, what are you making such plans for? What are you boasting about for? You should you not be saying if it is God's will, we shall live to do this or that. He said as it is, you boast, and all such boasting is evil, and so you're sinning. What is the teaching about that we hear today? They tell you. Oh yes, you got to have a dream. And when you have this dream, you must project it that this time next year, I will have my millions and I will do this and I will do that. And they tell you, exercise your faith. You have got the power of creativity on your tongue. And so don't say if it is God's will, you must say it because you must order it and command it. They tell you to command it because you've got the power of creation in your tongue You've got the same, God has said you are God's. And so you've got the same creative creative authority and power as God. So just claim it, name it, declare it, proclaim it. You know, order it, command it. God cannot do anything until you command him into action. God has all these powers to spend. He's got all these things to give you. But until you unlock God's potential and power by your command. Where did that madness come from? And that is teaching. But the people love it. It's nice. It sounds good. It polishes their ridiculous ego. And so the people love it and they lap it all up. And of course, you know, all these false promises will bring nothing. They bring absolutely nothing. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 8, Jesus talks about loud and excessive and showy prayers. He says, when you pray, don't stand around, you know, in the synagogue, in the, well, in the church in this case, Shouting and making noise and things like that. He said, listen, go into your room, shut yourself in there and pray to your father who is in heaven. He who sees what you do in secret will reward you in the open. Are we taught to pray nowadays? Shout, pray in tongues. Yes, pound, pound, jump up people, jump up and down. They're blasting away in a lot of gibberish, which is supposed to be tongues. Things they don't even understand, but you're told, don't worry about it. You don't understand it, but the angels do. It's that language of heaven. The Bible doesn't teach us about the language of heaven. So I don't know where that's come from. Jesus didn't teach us to pray in the language of heaven. Jesus did not pray in the language of heaven. Nor did the disciples. So I don't know where this is all coming from. Anyway, this is what we are taught. Loud, showy prayers in the church gathering. No, Jesus said, no, that's not what you should do. But people love it because it shows how spiritual they are. The more they can blast in tongues. Shows how spiritual they are, the more they can pray for ages. Even though Jesus said, don't waste your time in vain repetition when you pray. Don't waste your time. Just say what you need to say. God knows what you want to pray about before you've said it. Well, prayer is just a way of calling into God saying, Father, I'm still dependent on you. I know I can do nothing without you. Father, establish your glorious purpose in my life. That's what prayer is supposed to be about. So you see, we've got problems with this, all these ridiculous and contradicted doctrines and not only is it putting people outside the church, off coming into the church, but even the people in the church are not getting the desired results because their desired results are not in line with the will of God. And so for year in, year out, people are going, wasting their time, putting all their money into sowing seeds because, of course, at the end of all these false teachings, there's always the, a necessity to sow seeds, financial seeds, just to see these false promises come into active, be activated. Now they never get activated, so you are encouraged to keep on sowing, keep on sowing, because your your miracle and your breakthrough is imminent. They're always imminent, never delivered. Anyway, we'll continue about this because we still haven't gotten to exactly what or where the kingdom of God is. 
there is a lot more to say about this and we'll continue the next time we uh, we meet until then i'm sarah jalai manuel may the lord guard your hearts